1: I want to bring to you the third part of our Christmas season series, Sing. Uh, Of course, the song for this week is Joy to the World. You've heard a few different ways of that today. Uh, Let's begin in Matthew chapter 2, thinking about joy for just a moment. Now, how many of you really think about joy this time of year? Think about that. its I mean, it's joyful to go out and fight the crowds at the store. I didn't think about this in any other service, but I was talking to some friends earlier today, and I was talking about my driving experience yesterday. I said, as I drove through Armageddon, no, I mean Atlanta, come on now, amen. (laughs) I had zero joy. I'm just going to give you a glimpse into my, my vehicle yesterday. We were cramming all the stuff for our first family gathering. We had to go to down to way south Atlanta, and we were driving through all that traffic. And I mean, there's stuff everywhere you can't move. My wife's like, I, I, and she's trying to move some stuff around. I'm driving through traffic, and, and, and she's like, And I'm like, what am I supposed to do about it? It's your family. <laughs> Can I tell you? Anybody else? Am i the only one that's ever said anything like that. There was no joy in the moment. As a matter of fact, if joy had been in that moment on the road, somebody would have run her over. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) There was no joy. There's no joy in trying to, to rush to get a meal put together so that it's eaten quickly and then quickly. You're hoping the kids will enjoy what you bought them and they really enjoy the boxes more than the toys. There's no joy in the moment. There's no joy in the season because we've missed what we were really supposed to be after in the season. We've missed what we're really supposed to be pursuing in the season. And God's been changing lives here this morning. We actually had five give their life to Christ in the last service, and I rejoice over that today. Come on, give God a praise today, man. People finding true joy. But here's what bothers me. I think we're going to find in Matthew chapter 2, I know we're going to find in Matthew chapter 2, that even lost people knew where to look when the righteous weren't willing to look. I'll say that again. Even lost people knew where to look when the righteous weren't willing to look. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1 reads like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, I want you to notice this, it was when after Jesus was born, okay? So it's not immediately, but after Jesus was born, during the time of King Herod, Magi, notice that, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to focus on who came. Magi came on a journey looking for the promise. Now we've described them in many different ways. They've been described as as we three kings of Orient are. They've been described as all of these different uh, uh ways, almost priestly as it were, the first Christians as it were, uh, because they came pursuing the promise. But when they came pursuing the promise, I think we missed the fact they were Magi. They were not kings of the Orient. They were probably the second sons, the son right behind the king. And they were trying to find a way to get a job for the second son. So many times that second son is given that chief role, of it's, it's a sorcerer's role, it was a role of astrology, it was a role of advisor, it was a role that they were to manipulate things in order to support the oldest son who was the king. I find it best example of that comes from someone that's personal to this congregation, Jonas Mbutu, who pastors the churches there that we are part of in Germany, uh, is the second son of a king. His father was the king of the Congo, of the Mbutu uh, tribe there, and he was born the second son, not to be the heir to the throne, but he was born to be the witch doctor of the Mbutu tribe. He was born to invoke the evil spirits in favor of his older brother who would become king. He was being trained to be that, but somebody messed up one day when somebody told him about Jesus and took him to church and he went from being a witch doctor to a king and priest of the son, uh, son of the living God, come on now, and preaches the gospel. And God has used him to change literally thousands and thousands of lives uh, through that transition that happened because of Jesus. But I want you to get that mindset for the Magi for a moment. These sorcerers, these astrologers, these men, they came from a great distance. They came from afar. We don't know that much about them. Early tradition tells us there were 12 of them. Later church tradition tells us there were 3 of them, that they were uh, Melchior, Balthazar and Caspar, not to be mistaken with the friendly ghost. Come on now, amen. But in 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 those moments I want you to realize we don't know really who who they were, where they were from. We don't we don't know a lot about them with the exception that they came from the east. Now we don't know if that was near east or or far east, but during a season of time that the average person did not travel more than, during that first century there, they didn't travel more than 30 miles from the place of their birth, these great sons of kings came over a long journey from the east. Now, we, we really believe they came out of that Mesopotamian basin because of, of the fact that they were following Balaam's prophecy. And if they were following Balaam's prophecy, we think that they probably came from Babylon. So if they came from Babylon, listen to me. Now, I want you to see this. That means that their journey would have been 800 miles through the desert and over the mountains. 800 miles, these, these lost, these sinners, these sorcerers, these astrologers went 800 miles through the wilderness seeking the promise of the Messiah, looking for the joy that would be found in a baby laid in a manger. It was 800 100 miles they went. If they traveled the average rate of a caravan, which is 20 miles a day, that's 40 days in the wilderness. Does that sound like something else to you? That's 40 days in the wilderness. We know that they had been dealing with this journey for at least two years. And why? Somebody said, well, if it only took them about 40 days, why did they deal with it for two years? Because they had to get together and vote and decide if they were going to leave probably. Uh, you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I'm not real sure. Some of you will have that same conversation as soon as I finish this sermon. (laughs) But they finally made up their mind to go. When they finally made up their mind to go, these men of the dark arts even went. And as they went, watch this, they went across a great way. They went a long ways to get there. I think this is super important. I want you to notice what I'm trying to tell you here because this is important because I want you to understand how far they went and how far others weren't willing to go. Just up the road from Bethlehem, there's this little city called Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem were those who were supposed to have studied the promises of the Messiah. In Jerusalem were those who were supposed to be looking for the coming joy that would be born and laid in a manger. As a matter of fact, let me show you how close Bethlehem is to uh, Jerusalem, my favorite little hotel to stay in there in Beth—I mean in Jerusalem—is right outside. I believe it's the Dung Gate there, but you go down through the Valley of Hinnom. I mean, and we're talking about—you could hit a golf ball pretty much from one side over to the other. It's that close, and you go down through that little valley, up there's a little boutique, little style hotel there, it's actually the oldest hotel in Jerusalem, and when you stop there, I know how far Bethlehem is, because one morning while I was there, my wife decided she needed a Coke Zero, and I did not have a vehicle, and I had to start walking, and I started walking towards Bethlehem, looking for some kind of a store, and I realized how far Bethlehem is, because if you look to your right, you can see the walls of Jerusalem. And if you just go up the hill just a little ways and you bear around like this as you crest the hill, you see Bethlehem. I want you to get that. This fat boy could walk there. I want you to understand that for just a moment. That's how close it was. But listen to what I've come to tell you. There were men who did not know the promise. All oh, they knew there was something good was coming. And they would cross 800 miles through a wilderness looking for the joy that could be found in a manger. And there were righteous people five miles down the road who would not cross a valley and go up a hill looking for the promise that would come. Wow. Why is this important? This is important because I'm afraid that many of us will only follow Christ to the point of inconvenience, but no further. We know where the joy is, we know where we can find God. We know how to connect with God. Pastor Don, that's the problem. I don't know where to find him. I have been inviting you all morning since you came into this place. We talked about these songs. We put these songs together not to entertain you, but to welcome you into our Father's presence, to welcome you, to lift a hand, to lift a voice, to cry out in the joy of the Lord so that you might know who God is. But we will only go so far. And God's saying, Give it all to me. We're like, God, I can't give you that. And He says, Give it to me. And the joy that has been evading you will be yours because his joy is coming in the morning of your life. Joy wants to feel who you are. Can you give God a praise for that today, Amen? But here's the problem. The problem is there's going to have to be a change of authority. Watch this next verse. Well, still verse one? Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Verse number two. And ask, where is the one, watch this, who was, has been born, what? King of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Listen to what they're saying. Where's the one that's been promised? Where's the one you preached many messages about? Where's the one that, 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 that you've been trying to tell people, hold on, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. Where, where is he? We see his star. Notice verse number three. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. But what really bothered me is the next line. And all Jerusalem with him. Why was he upset? This is the promise. This is the one. This is the answer. This is the hope. This is the joy in the season. Why was he upset? Then you've got to understand who Herod was. For 30 years, Herod reigned. For 30 years, he had been appointed a governor, but he became known as King Herod. And that was a family name. That's that family name that is given, surname that is given to him there. But he came, became known as King Herod. Not truly a king, but because of the way he lived, lived, the tyranny that he walked in, the fear that he caused others, they called him King Herod. Listen to me real carefully. He had enthroned himself as the king. He was so determined to stay king. Listen to me. He was so determined to, to stay king that when he thought his wife was challenging him, he killed her. He was so determined to remain king that he slaughtered three of his sons because he said, nobody will dethrone me. Now you understand where the problem Was These men walked in and said, the true king has been born. And Herod said, whoa, I'm the king. And all of a sudden, Jerusalem said, nobody better not talk like that because something's going to go wrong if you tell him he's not the real king. Can I tell you this, that you are going to have to make up your mind if you're going to unthrone the problems and the pain and the pride and the struggles of your life because you cannot enthrone joy of the true king until you dethrone thrown the kingdom of yourself. I'm giving you truth. This is truth. Until you kill that pride that says, I'll kill anybody who dares challenge me. I'll hurt anybody who dares bring that up. You can go that far with me, God, but I'm not going any further. You will never change. But when you are willing to go the distance, no matter how, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost, no matter how far you have to go, you tear down your glory and you bow before his glory. Then you will know what true joy is because you will understand the true king has come and His Lordship is much better than our Lordship. Can you give God a praise? Amen. Herod didn't like it, so he slaughters all the little children. The Word said it this way, a prophecy of old. A cry of anguish was heard in Ramah. Weeping and great mourning unrestrained. I think it's, it's, it's interesting. He slaughtered all but the one who was escaped away, who was the Messiah, Jesus. And the very families that mourned didn't know that the baby that escaped would come back and die for them this time. Am I preaching truth? Verse number seven. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Okay, how how old were they? About two years. That way he knows who to kill. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go over the hill there. Just go over the hill. blows my mind. Go and search carefully for the child and as soon as you find him, report to me. Can I tell you, there is no way as close as Bethlehem is to Jerusalem that they did not hear about angels showing up to shepherds. That they didn't hear about a town just around the hill. I mean, people are talking about revival all over the country. Why? Because when God starts moving, people start talking. God had started moving, they had to have heard about it, but they didn't want to go the distance to see it. Come on. Come on. Preaching truth. Why? Well, he said, come back to me that I too may go and worship Him. No intention of worshiping. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way And you just got to see this. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Watch this. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Oh, hallelujah. They were overjoyed. God's good. Come up here, Glenn. Come up here, Mike. Come here, Brandon. Come on, men's men. Three wise men. Stand right over there. All right, watch this for just a moment. I'm going to give you an illustration here. That word, over, everybody say that word with me, overjoyed. overjoyed. That's four Greek words put together to make that word, okay? Four Greek words put together to make the word overjoyed. You could actually translate it with exceedingly great joy. You've heard that in the song. Exceedingly great joy, okay? So imagine now. You have come through a wilderness. You have spent a fortune to get there. And you're wondering, will I be able to find it? And then all of a sudden, over the place where he was staying, not over stable at this point because you're late, it's after his birth. You spent too much time trying to figure, I don't care, where do you want to go? <laughs> Watch this. You show up and suddenly you see where the joy is. How do you behave? <laughs> I'm sorry, gentlemen, but you're going to have to help me. <laughs> you don't go in and go, Well, oh, glory to God, we arrived. <laughs> That's not what you do. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that these pagans were looking for the promise. Remember, they're pagans. They're looking for the promise. When they saw the promise, the promise became greater than who they were. And when they saw the promise, the Bible says literally, they jumped for joy basically like little girls. We made it. We made it. Woo! We made it. Give it get, get, get right there. We made it. we made it. We made it. We made it. Oh, we made it. Woo. <laughs> Can I just preach for just one moment more? The problem is every time we start singing the the throne of heaven is turned toward us and the heavenlies open and instead of seeing I've got to get gone, and I haven't bought this yet and would they stop singing that song what we ought to do is lift up our eyes not to a star but to the light of the Holy Spirit and as we look up we see the promise and as we see the promise joy comes back into our life as we begin to worship as we begin to praise as we begin to exalt the one who is worthy the one who is holy and then we know what joy is come on give him some praise thank you guys thank you for your help I'll let one of you buy me lunch amen I know what some of you are saying though. but you don't know how bad my world is I've been telling you this for about five years now don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God there's joy if you'll just look upon Him. The joy I find is Romans chapter 10. What does it say? It says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. Oh, man. oh what a joy. Here's the beauty of this moment. They have arrived. They've acted silly now. They've upset the baby. (laughs) Mary gives them that look that only mothers can give. They calm down. And the literal translation says, says they bow, but it could also be interpreted they kiss him. And they present him gifts. Ladies, listen to me for just a moment. Someone said, what if it had been three wise women? Do you remember what I said in the very first verse? After his birth, they arrived. Someone said if it had been three wise women, they would have asked for directions, made it on time, helped deliver the baby, (laughs) cleaned the stable, made a casserole, come on now, and gave appropriate gifts. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm thinking we should have brought a Moses action figure or something instead, they slide gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Guy gifts for sure. I took a guy gift to that event yesterday. But I don't know what to give them, so I'm giving them tools. A guy gift. Hey, Amen. I thought it was good. But do you know what? Listen. It was not the wrong gift. Because here's a young carpenter who just paid his last dollar or dime or or whatever it was for taxes. And now he's got to go all the way to Egypt. And it was their gift that made the way. For you see, it was the wise men's gifts were Mary and Joseph's miracle. There's a church called War Hill in the mountains of North Georgia. Somebody said, where's your church at? I said, which one? (laughs) With a weird name like War Hill. But you gave this year. There's going to be another little child rescued by one of those 12 churches. Your gift was a miracle for them. There's going to be another dad stumble in who doesn't know how to get out of the bottle. That One of those young pastors, we didn't just plant their church, we paid their salary for the year. They're going to stumble in and that young pastor's going to have the time to put his arm around them and help them get up because your gift was a miracle. Your gift was a miracle because you gave. From the bottom of your heart... You gave. Sometimes out of lack, I'm telling you, I was sitting there Wednesday. I was like, "Where, where, what am I going to do?" And somebody literally walked in and said, "Pastor, I was supposed to give you this. That it was something that from something I'd done a long time ago, and somebody had sent me some something for it." And, and and I said, "Oh, there's my seed. You'll give seed to the sower. I can sow this into that church." Once somebody came to me and said, "Pastor." Why didn't you tell them we planted the church Wednesday night? I, I was like, well, I didn't know the final numbers. And they said, oh, no, no, somebody walked in and said, where are we? And we were about $200 or so short. I forget how short we were. But they, they, they said, they said here, and put it all in there. There's a miracle in that 12th church. Some little mom's going to wander in feeling like nobody loves her. And that church is going to love her. God blessed us this year. If somebody had written a check... For all of that, I'm sure I would be celebrating. But the price of all of that doesn't even get close to what God has done for us when we obey Him. Listen, stand with me today. You may not get what you want for Christmas. I read a story the other day and it said... When you don't get what you want for Christmas this year, remember the words of a wise little girl. Somebody came to her and said, did you get what you wanted for Christmas? And she said, no, but it's not my birthday anyways. We have been chosen to pursue His presence. Some of you are going to make miracle gifts, and we're going to make a seat for somebody else, and we're going to make a parking space for somebody else, and, and God's going to touch your heart about that, but I want you to hear past that right now to this moment. The most important, it doesn't matter how many parking spaces and how many seats, if they don't find the joy of the Lord when they come in the building, don't you let somebody of the world outpursue the righteous children of the Most High God. And don't you get depressed during this season Because the joy of the manger was the joy of the empty tomb. And it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Bow your heads with me in this place. You came in here today and the joy is so far off your spectrum that you wouldn't dare to think about joy. And singing joy to the world and it doesn't sound like joy to you. And you will confess that you need God to help you to either dethrone something in your life that's the pain or the problems or the struggles, or to help you see past what's wrong with your world to what's right with God. If that's you, I want to pray for you in just a moment. Let me see your hand if that's you, though. Raise your hand, hold it up high. Hold it up high. Wow. Almost a third of this congregation. Put those down. Like Jesus, He's going to make something different because you're going to start. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're going to start pursuing Him for who He is. I feel you, Jesus. Lord, I just worship you in this moment. Oh, that the joy of the Lord might be yours. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I don't have joy because I've never really bowed before the Savior. I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I know you're here. I feel it in my heart. Somebody, God, has been dealing with you, and you're tired of living in the darkness and the depression, and you're ready to come to the Savior for yourself. You'll go the distance, and you're ready to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. If that's you today, I didn't embarrass anybody else to raise their hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you, I want to see your hand right where you are. Today's the day you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Hold the hand up high. This is your moment. This is your time. Thank you. Are there others that will join these? Thank you. Are there others that will join these? I'm looking around this room. This is it. This is your moment. This is your time. Maybe it's a point of rededication. Maybe it's a point of salvation. This is it. And were there others that will join with these that have already responded today? I'm looking for you. I'm waiting for you prayer is not going to save you, but the faith in Jesus Christ is going to change your life forever. Where I'm waiting just one moment more, is there another? All right, I want you to join hands with someone near you. You don't have to cross the aisles and don't make anybody uncomfortable, but if there's someone near you there and you don't mind reaching toward them, reach toward them. We're going to pray the prayer of faith from Romans chapter 10. We're going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and we're going to confess that God caused him to to raise from the dead and live forevermore, and then lives are going to be changed. And I'm going to pray for everybody here. Come on, let's pray this prayer of faith. I want to hear you lift your voices with me today. Jesus, Jesus. by faith, faith. I believe believe. your promises. promises. Heavenly Father, I I am a sinner. sinner. I'm ready for that to change. I I give you my past my present and my future all that i have belongs to you i believe jesus came for me he died for me and now he lives forevermore i receive your grace and your love heavenly father i declare heaven is my home god is my father and jesus is my savior Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer, many for the very first time today. Joy is theirs now as they find Jesus changing their life from the inside out as the Holy Spirit is moving them to a new place as the children of God. Father, I thank you today that as well, those who are struggling, those who are going through a dark time, those who are fighting a battle, and those who need to dethrone pride or pain or whatever it is, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you that the joy of the Lord is theirs. And with every step towards you, the light of the Holy Spirit will quicken within them that joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen.